Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and Congress has left town for the long August recess. They'll be away for a month. We want to assess what they were able to do, what they were not able to do, and the mess that awaits them in September on appropriations. Joining me to do that is Aiden Quigley, uh, the appropriations reporter at CQ Roll Call. Thanks again for being here, Aiden. Thanks for having me and uh, happy recess. Yeah, happy recess. It's been a wild ride. So just Thursday, before they left town, we had uh, this dramatic vote, fairly dramatic, I guess, and, and, and where the House passed its very first spending bill for the new fiscal year. It's usually the least controversial bill of the 12 annual bills, right? It funds veterans' benefits and military construction projects, and no one wants to be against veterans. Usually, this is a no-brainer of a bill, and yet what we saw on the House floor was this party-line vote, very unusual, razor-thin margin. It got through, but I mean, squeaker. And at the same time, they were hoping to do a second bill this week, the agriculture spending bill. And the House had to pull that off the floor. They never took it up because the votes weren't there because of this, this intra-party fight among Republicans over, you know, they, the hardcore conservatives want more spending cuts than the leadership was offering them. And so they couldn't even get that bill done. So they've left town having passed only one of their bills. The Senate left town having passed none of their bills. It's looking like a real bottleneck and a real mess uh, in September, Aiden. It is. Uh, a couple of things to touch on there. The first one would be on the Milcon bill in the House. I will point out that in the Proficiency Committee, Republicans uh, tacked on a bunch of uh, policy riders that Democrats could never accept uh, on that bill. So I, I wasn't that surprised that it was a, a partisan vote on uh, yesterday. Uh, things like you know not allowing gay pride flags to fly over bases and a you know, bevy of other culture war uh, Republican priorities. So oh, right. I, that's I precisely why it was a close party line vote. That's the problem yeah, with yeah. all of these bills. And that's why even this one was hard. Yeah. Just thought that was kind of important to, to note there. And then the other thing is, you know, the Senate did not pass any bills on the floor, but for the first time in five years, they got all 12 bills out of the Senate Appropriations Committee, which is kind of a, a big step forward. But as you point out, you know, in September, we are still looking at, you know, chambers that have not moved uh, many bills on the floor uh, as we approach the end of the fiscal year, meaning 
clearly kind of was setting was setting up for a CR or at least an attempt to do a CR and continuing resolution. The continuing resolution, just the stopgap measure to extend funding, yeah, just to avoid a government shutdown. And, you know, Democrats are already saying as they left town that Republicans are marching toward a government shutdown. They said it on the floor even. There is not much optimism there, is there, that, that uh, I mean, they could well pass a short-term stopgap funding measure instead of a shutdown, although even that's going to be hard to get through, right? Yeah, it's definitely kind of a challenging puzzle piece to put together for September, even with a short-term stopgap, because as uh, the House Appropriations Ranking Member Rosa DeLauro said yesterday, you know, she expects that House Republicans will put on a uh, across-the-board spending cut onto whatever CR is moving, which would be a no-go for Democrats, especially since Democrats control the Senate and the White House. So that would obviously be uh, lead us into shutdown territory, which Laura has been predicting for months now. As you pointed out earlier, I think that a alternative would be a short-term uh, stopgap CR to allow conversations to continue. But that would need that would be McCarthy would need to get on board with Democrats and pass something that would essentially, you know, the only thing Democrats are going to support is a CR that keeps funding stable from the previous year. It would be my guess, and you know that kind of a that would, if McCarthy does pursue that, that would really you know anger the House Freedom Caucus and kind of the right wing uh, of the House GOP conference. And McCarthy's been working so hard to try to keep. A piece. So even that would be a heavy lift. And so let's break down, Aiden, exactly what, you know, there's two major factors, I think, that are really hamstringing the appropriations process this year. One, as you point out, is this desire from this new House Republican majority to put their stamp on all these bills with, with you know, what I think what Democrats would view as far right social policies that they just can't support, all of these culture war issues that have really antagonized them on abortion restrictions, uh, even not just banning federal funding for abortion, but even, you know, we had this whole issue of funding traveled for out of state to get an abortion, all these restrictions, whether a, a, a pride flag can be flown at a, at a military base, all of these, you know, there's been a host of critical race theory. There's been a host of these uh, issues that come up where you have this whole culture war going on with that, that Republicans are using the spending bills to wage. That's really antagonized things and polarized things more so than we've seen even in most years. There's always an abortion fight most years, but I mean, not to this extent and not with all of these other factors too. So that's one one problem. And then the second one, of course, is overspending levels. And you have this huge fight this year that I, I don't think can be overstated because the House and Senate are on this collision course over spending levels where you have you do have this bipartisan momentum in the Senate. As you say, the Senate appropriators managed to pass out all 12 of their bills just after this week. That was an accomplishment on their part, and it's because they wrote their bills based on the bipartisan spending levels that had been signed into law as part of the, the debt limit suspension law that was passed last month. And so they had an agreement to push forward, but the House Republicans aren't willing to play that game, right? Exactly. Yeah, House Republicans are writing under the levels in the debt limit deal. 
which House Democrats and Senate Democrats are really upset about because as we've talked about many times on this podcast, that deal was tough to swallow for Democrats. The, you know, spending is not at the level that Democrats want. It's, you know, from, from my perspective, potentially under what they would have been able to get in regular appropriations negotiations, seeing that they do control the White House and the Senate. And even, even with, it's been really interesting to watch House Republicans say that the delimit deal is a is a win for them and, and talk about how these caps are really uh, a, a big win for House Republicans while also, you know, trying to write significantly under them. You know, their argument is that the caps are a ceiling and and not a floor. But when we move to the appropriations endgame, it's impossible for me to see Senate Democrats and the White House agreeing to move down at all from these caps because that you know they were not these are really difficult paths for Democrats. Yeah. And the House Republicans, I mean, Kevin McCarthy had a problem when he passed the debt limit deal. On the one hand, he got credit for passing it. And it was an accomplishment under his cap, we should say. That was a tough thing to negotiate, and he got that through. He does deserve some credit for that, I think. But the price for that was he got fierce blowback from his party's right wing, the members of the House Freedom Caucus, who felt they were sold out, that the spending caps are too high, and they were insisting on lower spending levels. And so then he had to backtrack. And that's why in the House, they're writing spending bills that are way below what the spending caps would allow. That's the box that McCarthy now finds himself in. And that sets up this huge disparity with the Senate. And we're talking about tens of billions of dollars here where they differ. That's going to be hard <laughs> to to resolve. There's no way they're going to resolve that in time for the new fiscal year in October. But to resolve even by the end of the year is going to be an uphill fight. Just a few numbers to throw out to folks, uh, just just to keep in mind the scale of this thing. We we think the the difference in the spending allocations between the House bills and spending and Senate bills. It's about a $119 billion gap there. Now, some of that gets made up because the House is trying to claw back money from previous laws like unused pandemic aid and applying that into extra spending for next year. So they make up some of that. But then the Senate even went above the spending caps just, just this week when they agreed to approve some emergent, what they're calling emergency spending that goes above the spending caps, another almost $14 billion. So by our calculations, Aiden, we think the two chambers are about maybe $70 billion apart, as we reported in our story. $70 billion is a lot. It's a lot, and it could even be more than that with the House Freedom Caucus pushing for even deeper cuts to the House bills, which is kind of why we saw the Ag Bill run into a wall this week, which is, you know, even more troubling if you if you are hoping for a orderly appropriations process in the government to be open uh, in October. And I think if the House Freedom Caucus folks got their way, I think this seventy billion dollar gap by our calculations could grow to as much as one hundred and ninety billion dollars because they just want to pair spending way back. There was there was $115 billion of these so-called rescissions, this money that was clawed back from unused programs that would be 
pumped into this new spending. If, if, if the Freedom Caucus gets its way and they're not allowed to use that money, that's why the, the gap grows that big, maybe as much as $190 billion. I don't think that's going to happen. But it gives you a feel for the scale of the problem here. You know, tens of billions of dollars at a minimum where they differ on these bills that is hard to see given how polarized the two chambers are now. There is, I mean, it is striking the difference between the two chambers, though. I mean, the Senate really is working in bipartisan fashion, we should say. The Senate Appropriations Committee has been remarkably unified on these bills. They've passed all 12 of them by whopping overwhelming margins, maybe a a vote or two in opposition in, in each bill, but hardly any. And and then we saw last night the the, the full Senate uh, approved its annual defense policy bill, the defense authorization measure, overwhelmingly. Compared, you know, the House bill was another partisan squeaker. It just shows you the difference uh, in how they're operating. Uh, there's much more bipartisan will on the Senate side. So it really does show you the difference in mindset between between the two chambers here that's making things exceedingly difficult this year. Yeah, it, it the big difference between the chambers, and especially if you look on the Republican side, Senate Republicans and House Republicans seem to be very far apart on a handful of things. I mean, first off, you know, Senate Republicans are participating in the process, right? You know, at the caps of the the debt limit deal, and they're calling for even more funding. Uh, when it comes to defense, and uh, you know, McCarthy has been saying that he's he thinks that he does not want to go above the caps in the debt limit deal. Uh, so that's setting up kind of a, a tension point as well, where you have the Senate Republicans and the House Republicans appearing to be uh, not on the same page on some some major appropriations issues as we move into fall. Yeah, and that's a good point, Aiden, because. We also see a big difference there when it comes to, to aid for Ukraine, right? I mean, Senate Republicans uh, are, are pretty adamant, led by Mitch McConnell, that Ukraine needs more money, more help from us. And House Republicans have been mostly on board with that so far, but there's growing resistance in the House side to another round of Ukraine aid. You have some of these hard right conservatives wanting a lot more scrutiny of where the money's going and suggesting it's better spent at home. That whole Trump-related faction, America First faction that you're seeing uh, start to resist it. And that's the other I- issue looming in September, we should say, is there's going to be at some point a request for a, a supplemental emergency spending package in addition to all this mess. And that's going to be difficult, but there is going to be a need for more Ukraine aid. We haven't, we don't know when the White House plans to request that yet. There hasn't been a sign of it yet, but we know it's coming, and by September maybe. And we also have this issue of disaster relief, where the disaster relief fund is is going to run dry uh, by September, and pretty safe bet. There's, you know, we've already got Florida lawmakers clamoring for more disaster relief for hurricanes. That's all going to come to a head probably in September too, right? Yeah. And when it comes to Ukraine, I think it's important to note that despite what we're, you know, here from the Freedom Caucus, that there is kind of wide bipartisan support, I think, in the House still for Ukraine aid. Uh, but I think where you're going to run into some issues is if there's uh, other spending on that, like just general defense spending, or Senate Democrats are saying that they want to include some of their 
domestic priority, you know, money for some domestic priorities uh, on any moving supplemental. Uh, at least that's what the appropriations chair, Patty Mori, was hinting at at the first hearing, when, when first markup, when she said that, you know, that there needs to be non, you know, non-defense needs also need to be taken into consideration. And if you look at the House, that would definitely be a no-go for House Republicans if you know, the Senate passes something with, with extra non-defense and defense money above the caps with Ukraine aid. I think that would really kind of run into uh, a lot of opposition from McCarthy and House Republicans. Yeah, and I think she wasn't just hinting. It was it was more than hinting. She pretty much laid down the marker there saying, uh, yeah, we'll have a supplemental, but it's not just going to be for defense. We have, a, we have domestic priorities that need to be addressed too. She made very clear that that's what she wanted. And she mentioned disaster relief and border security, and I forget if there was something else. And and that's going to be the whole challenge there is once you go down the road of a supplemental spending bill, it opens the door to all kinds of things that that might be pent up demands that won't fit under spending caps that they're going to try to push push through. And as you say, McCarthy will be under a lot of pressure to keep that bill as narrow narrowly defined as possible. And you've got a hardcore group of conservatives who want it only for defense. So add supplemental spending to this huge mess over regular appropriations bills and Democrats fearing uh, a big government shutdown. And we're headed into a chaotic September that's really going to be a mess to, to try to sort through. That's all the time we have for today. If you like what you heard here, you can subscribe to the CQ Budget newsletter, which hits your inbox every morning that Congress is in session. You can find that at CQ.com. We're going to be off for a while as Congress takes a month-long recess, but we'll be back for all the madness that's sure to come in September when Congress gets back to town. In the meantime, you can follow all of our budget, co- budget coverage on CQ.com or RollCall.com. Thanks again to Aiden Quigley for joining me today. Thanks, Aiden. Thanks for having me. And everyone listening, please enjoy your uh, your recesses. As David says, uh, September is going to be interesting. Yeah, so buckle up. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. See you back here in September. Yeah.